Welcome to Kingdom Talk Radio Hour with Dennis McCork, founder of God Hope Ministries. Kingdom Talk is where Christ is king and we are the subjects and citizens of the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, we are. We're moving forward here as subjects and citizens of the kingdom of God here on Kingdom Talk Radio. That's 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. We're a voice in the wilderness. We are the wild west of free speech here on Kingdom Talk Radio here on 1550 KXEX, and we are freely proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And we're very excited about what God's doing and what he's going to do here on Kingdom Talk. We have a very special guest with us here today. Uh, Loto was unable to join us, but we have uh, our brother here, Jesse Martinez, who has an amazing testimony uh, from suicide to salvation. Uh, Jesse, it is a joy and a privilege to have you here on the show. And it's my pleasure. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yes. And, and you know, Phil, uh, you're always uh, uh, a kick in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's great to be back here and great having you on the show, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, we have so much to talk about because we're pulling out the stops. The floodgates are open. The veil has been rent and the kingdom of God is on the move. We are broadcasting here from the luxurious Manchester Studios here in the heart of Fresno, reverberating off the foothills of the Sierras, back into the valley, bringing the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And Jesse, my goodness, you know, uh, we see in the scriptures that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we see in Colossians chapter one there, Paul says that um, he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son, Hallelujah. and so in the in the backdrop of the good news of the gospel, and that's what gospel means literally uh, in the Greek. Euangelion means good news. Uh, the the backdrop of the good news is some bad news because the reality is is that we live in a fallen world, yes. and there's darkness uh, that's out there, and we have an enemy. Uh, the scriptures say that the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and so so we know that. Uh, We've all dealt with sin. We've, we all have been born in sin and shaped in iniquity, as David said in the Psalms. But there's a light as well. Thank God there is hope in the midst of the darkness. And, um, you know, just in starting out, um, as, 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 you go, as we go forward, we're going to have you share what happened there that uh, ominous night there in a hotel right here on Blackstone and Ashland in Fresno, not far from the studio. Yes. How far back was that? And this what happened? This was back in uh, 2016. My goodness. And so what happened that night? That night, you know, I just fell in a deep depression. I locked myself in a hotel room and I made my decision that I was just done with life. And I pulled a, I put a 357 handgun to my head, right at my temple. And I pulled the trigger. My goodness. Now you woke up, Three months later. Three months later, yeah. Woke up. Hospital. Brothers and sisters. Now, now there's a backdrop to this. We're going to get into all of that. But just listen to this. I mean, the 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 uh, the gun was literally up against your temple. Yes, point blank. And point blank, pull the trigger and wakes up three, three months, months later. later. This is a miracle of God, what happened there. And you are a miracle. And uh, when I met you literally on the street just like two weeks ago. Yes. And I went to share the gospel with you. Um and, and, and I was so encouraged to hear that you already knew the Lord. Yes. And uh, it was a joy to hear your testimony, but to, to hear your heart. You know, you, you are an authentic brother. 
and it comes through as you talk and we can sense, you know, your heart of humility and gratitude. But Jesse, you know, I see you and, and for those that are listening on the radio, you've got tattoos all over you. Yes. How many tattoos do you think you uh, got? I lost count. I, lost I mean, count. like probably over a hundred? <laughs> probably more. More than a hundred. Yeah, I mean, your face, you've got tattoos on your face. Yeah, yeah. They used to be worse, but you know, at one point in my life, I said, like, I got into a situation where I had my son with me, mm-hmm. and I said I would never want to put him in a situation like that again. Mm. And I wanted to be able to provide for him as a father. Yep. And I was never going to get no, no job opportunities looking the way I did. So I proceeded to tattoo removal, and I went 15, 16 times on my face. A lot of it came off from the bottom. Wow. Yeah. So you had more. Yeah, the whole bottom was covered that is amazing i have to do you have pictures of that yeah i do i do want to see those because we're going to be talking some more your testimony must get out there jesse uh and so so you you were covering yourself in tattoos and you were covering something else too weren't you you were covering what were you covering a broken a broken person that just felt like he was nobody just somebody that everybody wanted to pry on to pick on you know I was always humiliated, mm. always the, the the center of attention by getting clowned on. And I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be that big, bad person, you know, everybody was afraid of and everybody recognized. And I was trying to portray image mm. by by doing that. And, you know, I, I got involved in all kind of stuff, you know, and because um, of a situation that happened to me. And I swore to myself that I would never let that happen again, you know, that I was going to defend myself. And I just started building this image that it really wasn't me. Right. You're putting up a big front. Yeah. It's like a wall to protect, protect for who you felt you really were. And there, you know, now the, as you're growing up, um, Jesse, yes. Um, what, what, what was that like? What, what did you experience that caused you to really have this really, uh, lack of self-esteem? You know, Jordan Peterson talks about this. He's an amazing psychologist, professor, a renowned speaker, and and he talks about uh, how the even how we carry ourselves in our posture. You know, if 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 we don't have that sense of of of, of value, I don't even like the word self esteem that much, but it's really more about value because we need Christ esteem, yes, not self esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our identities in Christ, but but to to have a sense of our our intrinsic value as children of God and to, the way we carry ourselves, if we if we have uh, a demeaning view of ourselves that others pick up on that and they end up picking on us, don't they? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. why do you think you had that? What was going on in your childhood? Because, uh, you know, I wasn't raised in the city limits. I was raised out in the country. Okay. So I wasn't really exposed to the Fresno life. And then my mother took us from my grandparents and she felt like she was ready to raise us. So I got exposed to the, I moved to the east side of uh, town, of Fresno, mm-hmm. and it wasn't your your normal regular neighborhood. And mm-hmm. you know, I got involved in all the street stuff, and me and my mom, we just had a dysfunctional relationship, and I ended up in juvenile hall. So I ended up in juvenile hall, and then that's when the the, the sexual abuse happened in in juvenile, juvenile hall, hall wow. by other uh, kids my age. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, and I didn't know how to defend myself. Mm, 
Jesse, I'm so that's that is you were I was, broken. I was only you were violated. I was only ten years old in Juvenile Hall, right, right here in, in, in Fresno. Fresno County when it used to be on seventy seven forty four South Tenth Street. Okay. You know our our uh, co host yeah. Loto. What? You go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's that's what a lot of us have uh, been been there in different various abuses, and and that's that's still something from you. Yeah, that it, it stole that it stole that that like. That piece of me, like, why did why did this happen to me? Why did I get go through this? You know, and I just felt lost, you know. And then I was scared to tell anybody about it, and because I was like, oh, the whole tattling and everything, and I was just confused about a whole lot of stuff. So I kept it in with me for the longest. I barely let that out to to like, you know. And I yeah. well, thank you for sharing that. That's and, it's important, Jesse, and I appreciate your transparency and. um you know, what I was saying was that Loto, our co-host, he, he's been ministering at, at, at the juvenile hall for years. Yeah. Yes, he's been there, and he's he's uh, seen that firsthand, just the the change that those who are in juvenile hall, they're, they're going, they're living real life, real, real, real situations happening at home. And right. uh, But there's hope, and you found that hope. I mean, from, I mean, fast forward, and right now you're serving God. Yes. Uh, but... I mean, I'm so sorry that you went through that. That that does something, and those of us that have gone gone through that, it, it does create uh, something that illiter. Like you said, you just start dealing with that now. Yes, right. So so here you are. You're in juvenile hall. You're, you're dealing with abuse, and uh, and so then you you're you're a young man, and you you get out of juvenile hall, and then, and then what what's this trajectory? What's this path that you're on that you end up on the corner of Ashland and Blackstone? With a gun to your head, and you pull the trigger. What, what what happened after juvenile hall? Well, after that, you know, I I made a vow to myself that I would never let another man, a male person or anybody, hurt me like that again. So I started getting involved really into the street gangs, and you know, I was always a big kid. Like later on, I started sprouting, and I I was a big guy, so everybody was kind of like timid, timid. And I liked it that, yeah. you know, and I was like, okay, I wanted to be feared of, you know, I wanted to be that guy. Yeah. So I started getting involved in all kinds of stuff, the, the, the drinking, the smoking and running around fighting and stuff. And, you know, I grew up in the system. Uh, I grew up because of uh, placement issues with my mother and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was always running away. I was always a runner. So I was building this image of myself. And when I got older, you know, I had a friend. He, I looked up to him, you know, and he had tat- he tattooed his face, and I was like, and I saw the attention that he got. Mm-hmm. So I just one day went went in and I told him, you know, hook my face up, and he went and tattooed it all, and it just my life changed after that. You know, I was just infatuated by the attention I was getting from the streets, and everybody was afraid of me, and I was always fighting you know, pulling guns out and just doing dumb stuff, you know. And, mm. But at the time, I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm, this is what I was trying to build up to. You're like, getting attention. Yeah, you attention. have identity. Yes. Now, no, I, now I feel like I'm somebody. Were so, you in a gang? Yes. I was part of the, the Fresno Bulldogs, you know, and um, and just being active and stuff like that. And so I ended up later on things, I was part of a tattoo shop and things were going south there. Were you working there? Yeah, I was tattooing and everything. And wow. Just things were going bad. And I tried um, to do it at home, but just money wasn't adding up. So I got desperate and 
I got desperate and I made a, a real bad decision, which landed me and my friends in prison mm. for seven and a half years. And um, I ended up in prison and I'll go through the hardships of prison, your daily life and the things you got to do. Let's, and, let's talk about that. Before we do that, though, I want to ask you then. So so you're in a gang. You've got your identity. Um, you know, you're broken inside, but you're projecting this strong image you know you've got under control you're the big guy you've got the courage to follow through on what the gang's asking you to do yes and so you're kind of caught up in a web aren't you yes now when you were asked to 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 do that crime you had mentioned to me earlier that that somehow you you felt like you were you didn't want to do it and and you were really struggling with it uh, and, uh, you were, you knew something bad was going to happen. Yes. You know, my bad, my downfall about myself was my pride. You know, I can relate my pride. And I was, I was with this female, a particular female at the time. And I woke up that morning and I had an ugly feeling like something bad was about to happen. I, was, I told her, I was like, you know, it's either I'm going to get shot or I'm going to go to jail or just something bad is going to happen. And then she told, and I was thinking about backing out. And then she told me, are you getting scared? And when she said that, it, like, just pumped me up. Like, man, I'm not no weenie. Right. I'm not no sucker, you know. Yeah. So I still followed through with it. And sure enough, everything was not real. It was all fake. And it was a sting operation. And I ended up in the slammer. It was a sting operation. So the police had set you up for this. Yeah, my my apartment manager was a C.I. Whoa! Yeah, he was an informant, and he he knew that I was struggling for money, that I was willing to do whatever I had to do. Now, CI stands for confidential informant. There you go. And uh, so, so then you followed through on it because you're the man, and you have there's expectations. People are looking. Even your girlfriend, man, she yeah, I didn't, she wasn't I, much of a friend. Yeah, she wasn't. Not at all. So then you end up in prison. Yes, and you're there for how long? Seven and a half years. Okay, and what's going on in there? Are you still involved in the gang? Yeah. What's uh, gang life in the prison? Gang life in there is, you know, you just, it's about conduct, mm-hmm. the way you carry yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and me, that was my first time ever locked up, so me to somebody that's been in prison for 10 years already, they hold ourselves different. Yeah. I'm just young. I was only 19 when I went away, and I was just wild, you know, drinking, the hooch and you know doing the drugs and just walling out fighting with people and there was a lot of times where i should have been voted off the island but for some grace the grace of god i think even though i didn't know him at the time he was still there protecting yeah. me through a lot of things now when you're in prison do you did you feel a lot of fear and how did you overcome that you kind of the fear is always going to be there I don't care if anybody big, bad, and, you know, you're going to have some kind of fear because you yeah. have, you don't know how it's going to be from day-to-day mm-hmm. life. And me, I ended up in a, in a max prison. I ended up in a high-max prison. So Wow. High security. Yeah. you know, Maximum security prison. Walking around with knives. You got to be ready, you know. And so that's how, did you, how did you – they, didn't they frisk you to make sure you didn't have a knife? Yeah. We found ways to, to cheek it. Uh, and they just do a little quick pat down on you and you go. Wow. And so like when you're even getting patted down, you're like, yeah. oh man, I hope they don't come up like that, yeah. you know, yeah. and feel it. And um, so there was a lot of times, you know, and one time there's this guy and 
he messed up and they sent me because I was new. Yeah. I hadn't put no work in yet. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you got to go. Here's the knife. You got to go stab him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Lord. You so know, they're, they're giving yeah. you orders. So, yeah. And you say put work in. It's basically they're wanting to test you, see if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to be loyal to the gang, you're going to take risk. Are you courageous? You know, are you a fighter and all of that, right? So you're yes. being tested. Yes. And so they gave you an order to go stab somebody. Yes. And the orders they were telling me were to hit him in the neck, the neck areas, because he was going to wear a big puffy jacket. I'm like, man, I'm not, I don't want to kill the guy. Yeah. You yeah. know, like. Yeah. Did you actually say that? No. I you're just, thinking I'm in your mind, because mind. if you say that, then <laughs> you're a coward. Like, yeah. They're going to beat you up. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, all right, man. whatever. So, you know, I. The day comes where I go and, you know, I was nervous. I was yeah. nervous. I never had done it. And I see the dude and I go to hit him. Like, I just forget everything they tell me and I start hitting him in the side. But then he hits me with a hot, hot, hot cup of coffee mm. and like burned me and like, I'm like right in the face. Like, and then we're fighting. And then next, you know, I see the seals and I take off, but they take him. I get away with it. I get away with it. In other words, get away with it in the sense of the gang feels like you tried to do what they asked. And even though you knew that you were not going to stab him, you just wanted to fight him. But in their mind, you were, you got away with it. Is that what you mean? No, I got, I got away with it from, um, I I got him in the sides. Yeah. But I hit him through the jacket. The jacket's thick. So it really didn't puncture. Right. Yeah. So like, it was just like a, a a bad, it was just like a, a quick, Go right when it okay. happened. It was yeah. just like you you go into a tunnel vision. You just start swinging, but then when it hit me with that hot cup, yeah, of coffee and everything just like stunned me. And then I dropped the knife, and then I I saw the seals come and I took off, and they take the dude to the hole, and I go and then, you know the my my buddies the the older guy the lifer he was like you know it wasn't it wasn't good to him, but that I still went. To attempt it is what saved me. Right, exactly. Because yeah. saved you from the gang. Yeah. It's, Not it's even talking about the law. We're talking about the gang. The gang. It's because I went and still tried to do it is what saved me. Yeah. Even though the outcome wasn't what they expected. Yeah, because if you don't live up to it, you're, you're putting your life on the yeah, line. Yeah, if I would have said no, then I probably would have been done. Let me ask you, they're spending seven and a half years in, in prison. Yes. And now you're serving God. Do you yeah. feel like looking back now that God was trying to get your attention while you were there? And, and if so, like, tell yes, us about that. Yes, a lot, a lot. Like, you know, it was just the feeling, the gut feeling I had that morning when I woke up and when I was in prison. You know, like I said, me, I've always been a likable person. I've always been someone that you can surround yourself to. I've always been able mm-hmm. to be vocally, like, talk. I can communicate with mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's what... My thing was, I think that saved me was being my personality, mm-hmm. my personality saving me by being able to talk to everybody. You know, to relate. Get, get out of Meet a lot those of connections. Yeah, yeah, just get out of a lot of situations that mm-hmm. anybody else probably would have been done. Goodness gracious. You know, and uh, that's one thing God had blessed me with. And God, and there was a lot of times, you know, just a lot of times that anybody else would have been X'd out. It just, God was protecting me. Now, let me ask you then. What about the ramifications from the guards and the and the police in your record? Did they hold that against you then you got in that fight? Did they actually prosecute you? How's that work in prison? Because you went, you started a fight, you had a knife, you were supposed to have a knife. Yeah. So how, what did they, did they hold that against you? An no, they didn't even know, huh? No, they never, they never, uh, 
they questioned me about it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't admit to it. You know, oh, they didn't have okay. So they yeah. proved to me, you know, they couldn't spot mm. me that I was there. Okay, yeah. so you did get away with it yeah, from got, that side I, too. Yeah, I got away from both sides. Both you know? sides. Okay. So it was really, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So then you end up you end up getting uh, I, get out of out of prison seven years. Yes. And and what's going on in your heart? Where are you at as far as your? You know, um, towards the end of my time, I was just already like, you know, I'm coming home. I don't want, I don't want to have to ever deal with this again. You know, I just want to have a normal life, mm-hmm. marry somebody. You know, I missed seven and a half years of my son's life wow. he was a baby when i went away now he's 15 today and i've got full right. co- connection with him i have visitation with him and everything wow i have a bond with him and um i just wanted the all-american dream the life and so when i got out you know i was at the halfway house and i met this other girl there and she was in the same position as me mm-hmm. but i liked her and we hit it off and she moves from Stockton when we get out the house, halfway house living with me mm-hmm. and we're doing things. But me, I was still playing games. So I was serious, but not serious. Mm-hmm. You know, I was living in the world, you know, the lust of women. And, um, you know, because of my lust of women got me in a position where of infidelity between my relationship mm-hmm. and it just caused a bunch of problems. Sure. So things were going bad, going south. And, you know, I'm struggling with work working these long graveyard hours and I'm struggling with money because I got myself into a big debt. Wow. Credit cards, auto loans, spiraling. Uh, you know, I got out of prison. Somebody stole my identity, but they were paying on the credit card. So I had Mm. like a six forty credit score. Oh, (laughs) okay. So I was just going crazy with it, you know? And so everything was just hitting me, you know, everything was just falling apart. And it's like, on my own actions and, and that's why it's like you know like i started going to getting depressed real bad and i'm just like why why do i keep on still doing these things to myself where it's making me put myself in these positions and i uh, just like why do i have to have these cards dealt to me why do i have to experience everything that i experience you know i just i just gave up and you know i just locked myself in this hotel room right here on ashland and blackstone the motel six no and um my i just i made a decision you know i accidentally shot the ceiling the first time i let one round off in the ceiling and i got paranoid i was like here we go again i'm gonna go to prison they got my information downstairs my id if i take off Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get caught i'm on federal parole they're gonna send me they're gonna give me 15 years for something dumb i already went to prison the first time for something dumb yeah. that was fake, yeah. you know, for being naive. And I was like, I'm not going to do this no more. I'm tired. I'm just tired of tired of being tired. And that's when I pulled the revolver to my head, to my temple, and I pulled the trigger. Wow. But when when they um they said that they had a hard time getting inside the room because I had everything locked up. Mm. And you locked it all up. Yeah. You're in there. You pull the trigger. And they can't get in, yes. but they heard the sound of the gun. Yes. And they finally broke in. Yeah, and they found me in a pool of blood right there with the revolver on the ground. Oh, my goodness. And um, Is this the hotel manager then, or yeah, is the, the police? The police and the, the first responders. Okay. And um, they take me to the hospital, and they do this, oral, the, the oral maxil facial surgeons. Okay. They go in, and they said, because when you get shot, the bullet 
creates a suction. So everything behind it yeah. is getting pulled. Uh, so when the bullet went across my face and got lodged in my cheek, oh my God. it shattered my cheekbone, the roof of my mouth, and the back of my nose. And um, they had to remove my eye because it, it blew all that out. And they put a prosthetic cheek and they wired a bunch of wires through the top of my mouth and my mouth was wired shut. They did a great job. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. That's, it's amazing. You can tell yeah. that there's like you have a sleepy eye. Yeah. That's about it. Everything else you look, other than your tattoos all over <laughs> you. Yeah. But, but no, it's amazing. They did a good job, you know, and that's what they're, and they were amazed by after I woke up when they brought me out of that induced coma. And how yeah. long was that coma again? Three months. Wow. Three months. Three yeah. months of sleep. Now, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but so then... So they're they're doing all the the work on you and everything, yes. and then I go through the um, rehabilitation two weeks at the hospital, and um, they were just like, "Man, we've never seen somebody recover so fast from a head injury," you know, and it had to be God. It was God right there. And you mentioned your 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 you had a big swelling. They had that's why they had to induce a coma. Yeah, because my head was so big. They said it was like the size of a. Like a watermelon. I saw he has pictures. I saw the picture. Wow. You know, and it had a, it's a miracle. They had a bolt. It's absolutely. They had a bolt right here so they could relieve the pressure from my head. And um I still I look at the picture still nowadays, I'm like, man. That you didn't die is an absolute miracle. Yes. Now so they're saying so when you pulled the trigger, what happened? They said what saved me was because when I pulled the trigger, my hand kicked. So because of the, the the power of the gun, the, the three fifty seven. Yes, you know that's a powerful. That's gun. That's a big gun. Yeah, and it's yeah. the big revolver. And they said my hand kicked, so that's what caused the bullet to go across my face instead of my brain. So the the, mm-hmm. the barrel just shifted at an angle a little bit. Yeah, and grazed all. Well, it didn't even graze. It went into you. you yeah, went, it went, went through through your front of your face, your head, really. Yes, all You're, the way into the other cheek on the other side. Yes, all the way through to the other side of of your head, and so so you're. You're 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 thinking you're ending your life, and you wake up three months later. What was your what was your attitude when you woke up? I was mad. Whoa! I was upset. I was like, "What am I? Where am I at?" You know. And they brought me out of coma. They said I flipped out. I thought I was in jail or something. I started going crazy in there. Like mm-hmm. they had everybody yeah. in there trying to restrain me. I was restrained to the bed after a while, but then I calmed down. And um, I was like, "Man, like, what am I still doing here?" And then I just. Everybody, all my family was there, and and um, everybody that really cared about me, you know. And I, and I heard a lot of people, and I heard a lot of people, and that's what I live with. And I have this book. They had a book that they had started like a journal mm-hmm. that everybody was coming in, and they were writing in it, like how they were feeling about me, like, you know, just expressing their love for me. Yes. You know, and I read it, and it's like, you know, I heard a lot of people. I heard a lot of my family. You know, it was selfishness of what I was going through, you know, when you go through suicide, you don't think about how other people are going to, mm. it's going to affect other people, Yeah, you know, and, and it, and I hurt a lot of people and it hurt me. It hurt me a lot. Suicide. So you went from, so went from anger to hurt. Yes. And tell us, tell us about the process, how you went from being angry and then hurt. And what did that do to you? Like, you know, I went through angry and then it was hurt. And then like, now I'm in a place that was at the place of my life. Like now I have to, suffer the consequences from my actions yeah. you know i have to suffer the mm. physical healing because it wasn't it wasn't an easy healing process inside mentally and physically and then 
you know, having to adapt. When they told me that we had to remove your eye and I just crushed me, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get another girlfriend or something, you know? Yeah. So you started spiraling again even yeah. after that. But let me ask you this, though. During that, for three months, you are in a drug-induced coma. Yes. Uh, and what's going on? You, you you remember some of that? Oh, it was just, it was, I seen what hell looked like. I seen what evil looked like. You, you know, remember some of that? I remember it. It was like I was lost. Literally, was, like in just wandering. Wandering in the streets, you know, and then I ended up at one of these uh, tattoo shops that me and my friends used to run. And I'm in there, and there's this evil person on the couch just laughing, and I'm standing there just looking around, and then the walls started forming into bodies and trying to, like, steal me. Like, it looked like some lost souls that were trying to, like, take me, you know? A horror film right there, yeah. Yeah, they were were trying to grab me, like, Mm. and then that's when I woke up. My goodness, after three months. Did it have, uh, could you feel the three months, or was it, like, almost instantaneously, or just that that things were happening? No, you, After that, like, you could on. feel the three months, you know, like, like the dreams were like, just kept on transforming, torturing, torture, yeah. you know, yeah. it was crazy. Then like, it was like different scenes were changing and then like, oh, I'll end up like on his inside of this boat mm-hmm. and I was strapped down to the bed and the boat was rocking, but I was really strapped down in my bed in yeah. the hospital, you know? So it was just like yeah. in and out, it was crazy. It seems so, so real. So so then you find out that you lost your eye and you started to spiral again into depression. Yeah. And um, I start spiraling in that. And then I'm like, you know, I used to always think high of myself, you know. Like, I was, you know, back then I wasn't really a bad looking guy, you know. And then I used to work out before I was in the hospital. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try something. So like a nurse or somebody would come in and I would try to shoot my shoot, shot at them. And they would blow me off. They'd blow me off. And then my um, there's this one girl that came in named Ashley. She was a the caterer associate. She would take my orders. And, mm-hmm. stuff. and I was like, "Man, you're pretty. Do you got a boyfriend?" And she was like, "Yeah, but it's coming to an end." I go, "Sure." That's what they all say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she was like, "And then she takes off." Then she finds out I'm getting ready to get discharged. She comes back and she gets my number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she gets my number, we exchange numbers, and then she, her relationship breaks off, and then we start communicating with each other after, and then after that, fast forward four years, five years later, we got we just got married back in, um, in um, November after Thanksgiving. Just this last year. Just this last year. Wow, you've been together for a few yeah. years. You got married. That's awesome. Yes. And so, so then uh, you meet her. You're you're in relationship with her, but you're still dealing with this this darkness. Yeah, we're still this dealing attack. That I'm still dealing with the attack, you know, and and we're living in the world, yes. drinking, partying, you know, and drinking leads to violence, and violence, you know, started getting physical between us, and I ended up back in back in in the slammer on a violation because of drinking and stuff, and yeah, so I go and I come back out and. We're still going through it and everything, and then not last year, but the year before, we're already at the point of our relationship where it's like, we're done. I'm done. Mm. Well, I'm done with you. Like, we're just going bad, and um, it was crazy because when I got I got sent on a violation for domestic, the next day, she found out she was pregnant. Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we didn't know she was pregnant, mm-hmm. and um. So she has the baby when I'm away, 
and now the baby's coming to see me and stuff. So now we're we're doing good, and but I get out from that, and we're still drinking and stuff. And I'm at the point again. I get back into this deep hole again, depression and just tired, suicidal, suicidal. You know, it's just suicidal is always the first thing to come to my mind. Mm. Being frustrated, you know, tired. So I go to this part. And I tie a rope to it, and I try to hang myself from there. But it was a failed attempt. Thank God. Yeah, it was a failed attempt. But when the 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 noose tightened around my throat, I just instantly got a vision of my kids crying at my funeral. My the, Lord. The hurt that they had, you know, and it hurt me. Yeah. And, like, that hurt me a lot. Wow. That's amazing that, again, after – uh, putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger and going through all of that, that you went again and again, yeah. uh, the Lord kept you from taking your life, Jesse. Uh, and he has a good reason for that. Now, now you had mentioned how, you know, before you weren't thinking about your family and your loved ones, what they would feel. So it really is. Uh, suicide is a selfish act it is. to say the least, isn't it? It is. It's, it's all about yourself. Yes. What about those around you? And it's, it's a, it's a it's trying to bring a a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yes. Uh and it's uh it's a sin. It's wrong. Suicide is wrong. Very. And uh you have a testimony to encourage those who are fighting against that. Yes. So so finally you, you again you try to kill yourself. It doesn't work, but then you found hope. I mean, what what happened? What what brought you to that place and how that play out? You know, I was talking to one of my coworkers at work and they knew what I was going through and they knew there were, there being a shoulder for me to lean on. And one of them had invited me to church, you know, and, and my wife now, Ashley, she, she didn't want to give up on us. She kept on fighting for our relationship. You know, she had hope, you know, for our family and stuff and what we wanted. So I was talking to her and she said that she was going to go to her church. Her cousin had invited her to church. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday with my friend. I was like, you know, I'll just go to church with you. Yeah. So right when Wednesday came, I walked up to church for, it was Bible study night. Mm-hmm. I walked in and right when I, before I hit the doors, I just felt the Holy spirit. Yes. Hitting me, touching me, I just felt the the sense of needing to just ball and let it all out, mm. you know. And as soon as I walked Ooh, in, and I met the pastor, and we started talking, and then we started worshiping. I just felt the Holy Ghost mm. and, and the yeah. Spirit of the Lord in the, my presence, you know. Mm. And I just dropped to my knees and I gave myself to the Lord. I surrendered my life, you know. I said, I can't do this no more without you. I can't. Be trying to be in control of my own life, mm-hmm. my own actions, and the way I think. I can't. I have to leave everything to you. All this time, I've been trying to do everything on my own, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been working. So right then and there, we, me and Ashley, surrendered our lives to the Lord. Amazing. At the same time, she gave her life. Yes, and, and she's uh, a beautiful lady. I've seen a picture. Yes, you are blessed. I am very for her. And, what uh, year was this again? It was 2016. 2016. July 2016. Wow. July 9th. When you gave your life to to the Lord. Oh, when I gave my life to the Lord? Yeah. No, it was November. It was November 2000 and, um, or. So like a year and a half ago. 2021. Yeah. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just recently in the last year and a half. And so, so then what did you feel when you went forward and you surrendered? What, what, what was that like? It's just like, I 
every baggage that I carried on my shoulders is just like I wiped yeah. away. Like I just felt like my back wasn't. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> that is the gospel. Lifted the weight of the world off of me. Oh, yeah. Listen to that, brothers and sisters. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to the gospel of the kingdom of God. How that our brother, Jesse Martinez, you know, having lived a, a life as, 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 as a, a young man who's broken and, and, and just dealing with uh, growing up like we all did, uh, but in some ways with wounds that many of us didn't have to suffer through, but you uh, end up in juvenile hall and you, and you end up getting out and then getting caught up in the gangs and then in prison and then two attempts at suicide. Yes. Uh, and, and you uh, are at the end of yourself. And if you're listening in right now to Kingdom Talk Radio and you hear this testimony of Jesse and you're saying, you know, I don't have that hope. I, I'm still dealing with depression. I still do self-harm or I am suicidal in my thoughts. You know, there is hope. There is. Just as there was for Jesse, there is for you. And as there is for Jesse, there is for you. And so uh, we want to give you this opportunity to receive that hope. You know, Jesus Christ, he came the divine son of God, preexistent. Uh, the father created all things through him, yet he humbled himself and came obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He came in to the womb of Mary and he was born a man, but yet a divine man who walked the earth and, and he lived a life of perfect obedience. He died on the cross to pay the price. See, there's something, we know something's wrong. We know something has to be fixed because of our sinfulness, because of our depression, because yes. of the brokenness. Something's got to correct this. There's got to be something to fix it. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he paid that price. It says uh, in, in Ezekiel, the soul that sins, it shall die. And God told Adam, the day you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in other words, the day you disobey me, you know, that you shall surely die. And 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 so we know that uh, uh, in Christ, he came and died for us in our place. He paid that price. And then he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he poured out his Holy Spirit. He's calling out to you, Hallelujah. ma'am. He's calling out to you, sir. He's saying, just as I've done for Jesse, I've done for Phil, I've done for Dennis, I will do for you. I love you, he says. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. He says, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave. He gave his very best. He paid a terrible price. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that means you, sir, that means you, ma'am, young man, young lady, that means you, He's calling out to you, saying, just put your trust in me, confess your sins. He says, I receive you, and I pour out my spirit upon you, and I give you new life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I recommend finding a good Bible church that's being raised up. You, know, you go to Liberty Church, is that correct? Yeah, Liberty Christian Fellowship. Yeah, Liberty Christian Fellowship. If you want to meet Jesse in person, you can go there and shake his hand and bless him, but... Um, I want to recommend that church, but a, church, a good Bible church where you can be raised up and discipled uh, in Christ. But yes. Jesse, it is a huge privilege to have you here today. Hey, it is my yes. pleasure. Thank you. You know, uh, I love what God's done in your life, and um, I love your heart, and I love your faith, and your testimony has got to get out there. So this is so important. Thank you for your obedience to come here and to yes. uh, be bold 
and to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, Jesse. Yes, amen. And we'll be talking. I'll be staying in touch and uh, look forward to getting together. As we move move forward here, um, Phil, we do, we have some things that we're going to be wanting to touch on. Yes. Uh, and so we're just grateful to be here. Kingdom Talk Radio, that's every Saturday from 12 to 1, 1550KXCX, the best talk in town. And uh, we're just grateful for Jesse. He did a great job there. We're grateful to hear his testimony. But, you know, we really uh, are needing to uh, focus in on what God is doing. And just a reminder now, from 1 to 2, we have Kingdom Talk 2.0 with Pastor Charlie. Pastor Charlie, yeah. Charlie Avila, he's uh, from Clovis Christian Center, and he's going to be with us again today. We're going to be diving deeper into the scriptures regarding, uh, you know, false uh, teachers and false prophets. And, And Phil, you know, it's important because... The scriptures say that we should uh, we should grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, not by every major media, mainline group, news station, yeah, groupthink too. Yeah, 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 not the groupthink, right? We, yeah. we have to be careful. We're not yeah. being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And so, there's a lot of deception out there, and and uh, all kinds of uh, lies that are going on. Um, and we are children of the light. He says, uh, you once were darkness. Now are you light in the Lord? So walk as children of the light. Even as we heard Jesse's testimony, yes. you know, he came out of the Powerful. darkness, yeah, out yeah. of the darkness into the light. And so we're to walk as children of the light. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I we didn't need a, to, to, you know, uh, sorry, excuse me. We needed to walk in that light and, there's a lot of darkness out there. We're seeing, I know we have a lot to just, just going on in the world right now. And I know you shared this with me, like there's from protests taking place because again, we see that, that light trying to be shut down, uh, when they're just trying to talk. There was a judge that was, you sent this article here, protest UCC Davis, uh, cause Stanford UC Davis protests show the left has a prescription for failure. Uh, I, can you speak to a little bit to that about the judge who was, on? well, there was actually in Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. This just judge, um, uh, that came to speak was a setup, and uh, he was composed himself very well. And there was just a lot of uh, woke students there, and the uh, the the teacher who happens to be the director of equity and inclusion. <laughs> I saw that, yes, you know, and so uh, she just uh, basically commandeered the speech. It's embarrassing to watch diversity, I mean, inclusion, and equity. Yeah. The, the acronym is DIE. There you go. That <laughs> sounds pretty. The irony of that, yes. yeah, nah, definitely. And so, uh, so she just got up there and said, "I'm here to create a safe space, and and it's not just your opinions; it's your decisions that's hurting these students." But uh, you know, um, yes. you know. So the thing is, is that um, it was uh, really uh, a, an opportunity for him to just demonstrate composure, and he. Uh, did and then after all of that when it all came out because a student was there videotaping this and they were heckling him and interfering in all of this um madness yes i mean she was saying uh basically saying oh shut up sorry thank you i'll take it so she's the victim or at least plain one is what she was saying yeah and and, and she goes on the left is always changing words because we used to call that communism if they control the, the language or the narrative uh, they they could call anything. That's why everything is racist. Everything is is mm-hmm. trend, is is just bigotry, uh, and we've seen this across a lot of. There's a protest. Did you hear about the one in Charlie Kirk? I guess you know, before we go there, so real quick, I was just yeah, yeah, to say what 
But to Stanford's credit, the president and law school dean, yeah. reading here from uh, from this article here uh, from uh, Fox News, uh, and it says that, that uh, the dean then apologized to the judge for what the judge had called deeply uncivil behavior by bullies. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thankfully, this came out, and then he. Uh, responded as well, and he said he's looking forward to some concrete actions to make sure this doesn't happen again. So, so that that's uh, the good side of it. <laughs> yeah, is that it got exposed. A student was there filming it. Yeah, it's funny because the the judge in front of everybody, and this is the quote: "So you invited me to speak here, and I'm being heckled nonstop, and I'm just asking for administrator too." And then the crowd says. She is an administrator. <laughs> so she was the administrator. <laughs> they brought her, and then another administrator was one of the hecklers. That's yeah. the one rebuking him. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so if you get a chance, Google that. But um, so, you know, yes, we uh, ought to be responsible in our speech, especially as followers of Jesus. And we should be sensitive to others' um, hurts and wounds. We're not saying to be insensitive, but from what I could see, this speaker was not doing that. He was just there sharing his point of view. And so we're not minimizing the need to be, you know, meek and mild and considerate. But what we are doing is wanting to point out that sharing the truth uh, and one's perspective regarding reality uh, is not abusive. It's it's not uh, unnecessarily painful for the other person. Sometimes truth can be painful. We don't want to be unnecessarily hurting, unnecessarily causing pain, but sometimes speaking the truth can can be uh, painful, and, and we need to be willing to do that because sometimes, like an operation, it's painful to get an operation to go in and get a tumor taken out, but it has to be done. Otherwise, it could actually bring greater pain and ultimately death. Yeah, freedom is speech that we don't agree with. So there's a lot of speech, things I don't agree with, but there's a lot of people coming to the aid of free speech now. Of course, the Elon Musk is one of many because, you know, uh, if it's okay to Charlie yes. Kirk, the Charlie the Charlie Kirk is another example of this epidemic, if you will, across all the United States of all the colleges. Pandemic. The, yeah, pandemic. There you go. The, of They're shutting down free speech. They're shutting down uh, comics, uh, the, the, the comedy in the schools. A lot of com- comedians won't even go to colleges anymore. But Charlie Kirk had a Turning Point uh, event, and uh, UC Davis Chancellor Gary May ter- called Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk a proponent of hate. So... What they try to ha- have an event there, and of course he was shut down. And they called it uh, what is it? Not not counter. It's counter speech. Basically, counter speech is they're saying they're for free speech, but they get to counter you by interrupting you. Right. So that's actually not allowing for free speech. Exactly. It's called canceling. You can call it canceling speech, not not counter speech. No. It's actually violent interrupting oh. uh, of of speech. And uh, yeah. and the thing is, is that. Uh, it's projection, you know, hateful. He's hate speech. They're screaming. They are it, throwing hurling, eggs, throwing eggs, hurling invectives. And Charlie Kirk is the one who has the hate speech. It's it's like it's like classic projection. <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable that do they ever look in the mirror backwards completely? Well, and that's exactly yeah. what the enemy does is mm-hmm. he turns things upside down with half truths, Distort- innuendos, distortions, yeah. distortions sophistry, yeah. lies. And, and so, um, you know, uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, there was definitely an interruption of his free speech. But what's good is that 
fortunately, many people are seeing past it and they're seeing like what happened at Stanford enough to say, you know what, this is wrong. And then the, the, the school had to apologize. So, yeah. so these woke students, you know, um, who are commandeering the public space and demanding that you walk lockstep with their group thought, think, yeah. group think, their thought police, and uh, they're, they're not going to have it any other way. Well, the reality is we're not going to be silenced. No. We will speak up. We will speak truth in love, especially the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us are being uh, vocal now, but there's a lot of those, the other side being silent. And we're calling on, this is beyond party lines. And I think the, the yes. those of us, the people, which are both right and left, yeah. are standing together and seeing it. But, of course, the ones with power, i.e. the media or the politicians, are really a pandering to a lot of the, the left ideology that's so extreme that people are, are, are seeing it. They, well, they, they want to politicize everything. Everything. The average American, thankfully, is not politicized. You know, they're becoming more and more that way, though. That's what they want. They're trying to get us categorized right, left, and to really uh, exaggerate positions, and uh, and then try and force people to hold to a particular ideology. But most people are like, live and let live. I don't even want to deal with this kind of stuff. Just let me do my life. Let me get some food on the table and, and all of that. Um, but uh, there is a time to speak up, and uh, it's, it has transcended party lines. There's no question about it. We're, we're not talking about you know this party or that party. We're talking about the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of God, having been bought with a price. And the thing is, we are children of light. Yeah. And he says, uh, therefore, let us walk as children of the light and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it's even a shame to speak of yes. those things which are done of them in secret. Yes. And so as we walk in light, um, we, 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 we don't fellowship with the extremist ideologies and have fellowship with that. Uh, and, and we don't participate or nor do we, some of these things we can't even talk about because they're so dark. The things that go on in, in some of these, uh, you know, gender yeah. expressions and things that are going on <laughs> with drag queen oh. shows and stuff like yes. that. Yeah, we, I love what you're saying. You know, this just it's the throwing, they're hurling eggs and all these things. And again, I just pointed out, Elon Musk just a small little tweet with a picture of what well, he says not a peaceful protest at all because he's showing Antifa over 100 um, Antifa mob breaking windows outside of the event. And this is Davis. This yeah, this is the one with Charlie Kirk. Yeah, the Davis one. Yeah, and uh, uh, the media. Where's the media? They're not calling it out. You know, should, they should just call balls and strikes. That's it. My Lord. And so we are doing that. We're calling it out here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town every Saturday from 12 to 1, Kingdom Talk, and then from 1 to 2, Kingdom Talk 2.0, because we don't want to be sticking our heads in the sand. We don't want to be lemmings jumping off the cliff, right? (laughs) So we're going forward and shining the light and the good news. But, uh, you know, moving forward here, you know, we we do see that uh, Pope Francis actually has spoken up against this gender ideology. He's saying it's one of the most dangerous ideological colonizations ever. Finally today, speaking out on today. it, yes. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, good for him. And I'm glad that uh, he's realizing this is something that has to be addressed because it's so out of control. Yeah, we were kind of worried, right? There's been a lot of topics here on Kingdom Talk that, like, where is he at in these, these things? He's been called out kind of little liberal or anti-Bible in some things. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he, he's got weaponized ambiguity. In other words, he's he's not clear Yes. On a lot of things, you know, and uh, but he was clear on this, and that's that's good. I'm glad that yeah. they spoke up on that. 
Um, but, um, you know, we, we need to, uh, to realize that it is dangerous and it is hurting quite a few people. And the reality is coming up here on Saturday, the 25th of March, we have uh, the conference. It's revealing the rainbow there at Cornerstone Church. It's Friday night and Saturday night. Um, and so you can go online and check that out. I highly recommend it. But they're going to have some testimonies from uh, transgenders who are retransitioning really? back to their original not, they already have or are. And they had that like that, that day, right? Last week, too, when it was raining in Sacramento. Is that right? That, yes, there was the, uh, the the protest that was on the steps of the Capitol. Uh, and um, uh, they were there and they took a stand. And so it's important to be doing so. But going forward, Phil? Yeah, I just want to read a quote quickly with uh, the Pope. And he was kind of going off, why is it dangerous? He says, why is it dangerous? Because it blurs differences and the value of men and women. It blurs the differences. I love it. That's pretty straightforward. Yes. Yep. And so, yes. And uh, as we go forward here, we have uh, some of this information here regarding Duck Dynasty. Missy Robertson uh, <laughs> slams the behavior of the <laughs> library staff. So I guess Kirk Cameron was doing one of his uh, virtuous story reading hours. Okay. Brave books. Finally, uh, he got protests too on that too. Yeah, well, yeah. So he's been doing this across the nation now, mm-hmm. and um, this is in wanting to take a stand, uh, really in response to the drag queen story hours that are going on. Which, by the way, uh, we are going to be uh, holding a, a virtuous library story story reading hour here. We're actually reaching out to some libraries. On which side of the issue going to be? Uh, well, we're not doing the drag queen one. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Amen. And so. So uh, I'll let you guys know once we get that secured, but be praying for us because we do want to take a stand in the public square. So we have this grandmother who's a sweet lady who's willing to do it. We have a couple of ladies lined up uh, and looking forward to facilitating that. Really? Locally, right okay, here in the valley. that's a good idea. Right here, Clovis Fresno. Okay. A virtuous story uh, reading hour. And uh, it'll be a great opportunity to just shine the light in love uh, to the children. But this here, again... Missy Robertson is is basically pointing out that at that library where Kirk Cameron shows up, that I guess the staff was not all that accommodating. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why so, is that? Well, hmm, I wonder. Yeah. Well, she gave a firsthand account at the pushback that uh, that she and her 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 associate Christian actor Kirk Cameron mm-hmm. um, that uh, they received from the staff in the public library in Hendersonville, Tennessee where they had planned that, that story hour. And um, yeah. so she's just pointing out that uh, they were they were not helpful. Yeah, and there's a quote here. It says, not only were they rude to us, they were super rude to the entire community that lived there in Hendersonville because that is a public library and they could have invited all those people who were standing in the rain to come and form lines inside the library down the aisles and sit in the ground. They were very, yeah, they weren't very welcoming at all. When you can see the yeah. crowd there, there was a yeah. good crowd. Kirk Cameron really does draw a crowd, and uh, that's awesome that he's out there doing that and facilitating that as well. But then there's also this evangelical group uh, that says the PPSD won't let them start a good news club. Uh, so now they're suing. Um, you know, this is going on quite a bit where these good news clubs have been around for decades bringing the good news, you know, to children. Yes. Uh, and they're getting attacked. Sometimes it's the Satan Club saying, well, we, if they're going to have it, we're going to have it. And then sometimes the school boards say, well, we're not going to do any then. As if somehow, 
you know, those are equivalent, the Satan Club and the Good News Club. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's so awesome hearing that the Good News Club, you know, we need to cause the right kind of trouble. I, I've heard a little bit of something happening at Buchanan, for example, that there's people complaining, the parents are complaining about the students are now taking a stand of their faith, but they're complaining about their Christianity. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of kind of uh, not, I don't have all the facts yet, but I, I, I'm glad there's kids taking a stand and they're, they're if they were persecuted from the faith, but hey, they have the right to talk about their, their, their freedom. You know, and just going back here yeah. to Ephesians 5, you know, what we're doing here on Kingdom Talk is that we're lining up uh, the cult, church mm-hmm. with Scripture. Yes. And we uh, I was quoting earlier out of Ephesians 5 that we once were darkness, now are you light in the Lord, so walk as children of the light. And he goes on, he says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving or testing or approving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that's really what's going on here on Kingdom Talk, is that we are reproving, we are shining light on the works of darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness. He says, reprove them, for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. He says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Whatever makes plain, whatever you know brings to the fore clarity uh, is light. And so he says, where he says, therefore awake you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. So awake from wokeness. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, and so I love that. He continues to say, walk circumspectfully, right? Not as fools. As wise. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, look at um, that. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyhow, um, right here on the news here right now, live, they're, they're showing video of this teacher at Stanford the smirking judge. as the judge was, was being heckled in, uh, uh, in Stanford. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is that that's why we're here is to, in love, speak truth. We want to make sure that we're aligning our hearts and our attitudes. We do want to be humble, we want to be loving, meek. Uh, but bold at the same time. And this is a supernatural walk that we're called to. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but we know one who does. His name is Jesus. We yes. have a source. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And uh, we want to uh, reach those who are caught up in the darkness, not repel them uh, by being strident and uh, attacking their person, uh, because we do separate the ideologies, Right. Yes. Uh, and, and the principalities uh, and the principles from the people. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really that saying, you know, uh, love the sinner and hate the sin. And we genuinely need to do that. And I thank you for your light, Dennis, because it, it's that boldness that you you have and you share in that light that you met Jesse in a powerful t- uh, testimony story there. Well, it's just a joy to do that yes. and to meet him and to bring him on. And that's why we must be about the father, about the father's business and bringing the good news of the gospel. Let's remember that Christ once called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and that we have our own testimony like Jesse. And let's get out there and share it with others so that they'll have hope and they can put their faith in Christ and become citizens of the kingdom of God. This is Kingdom Talk Radio. That's every Saturday from 12 to 1, and now 1 to 2 on 1550 KXEX. The best talk in town. We are going forward in faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back for a people that will put their trust in him. 
Will you be ready? Will he find faith on the earth when he comes? Will he find faith in you? I believe he will. I believe that you're putting your trust in Christ. Let's continue to do so from moment to moment. God bless you all. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week or actually next hour. 